welcome to the MS at Sea Level. I am joined by Case Engelen of Totoma. Um, Case, great to talk to you. I normally talk to you from um, sunny Taiwan, and today you're in sunny Netherlands. Um, you're not just moving you and your family, you're moving some of the, um, the business you look after as well. Tell me a little bit about what's going on in terms of the geopolitics and how that's affecting China, but also I'm curious how it's affecting Taiwan. It's true that in the last couple of years, uh, China has not uh, done much to to ingratiate itself uh, with the international uh, business community, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, uh, a lot of our clients were were asking for for solutions outside of China. Um, well, our head office has always been in Taiwan, and uh, we've taken some like fourteen products or so that previously were made in uh, China. And now all the components are still made in China, but we do final assembly and SMT in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And, and that helps to uh, um, negate the uh, 25% uh, import tax. Okay, okay. Yeah. But and, so that and makes so- a big difference. What about, what about the, you know, when... When we talk about people decoupling from China, which we're seeing a lot of regardless of just tariffs, um, partly for security, partly for mitigation of risk, and partly just a kind of a, a bit of a regionalization trend we're seeing around the world. How does that, how does that impact tai- Taiwan? Does tai- Taiwan kind of get caught in the, same, in the same trend? And does Taiwan lose business? Or is Taiwan a beneficiary? We hear about Mexico, Vietnam, and India perhaps being the the three major beneficiaries of that decoupling with China. How do you see it from a Taiwanese perspective? And we'll talk about that before we talk about where else you're um, looking at building up manufacturing muscle. Well, I've heard from from some parties like, uh, yeah, uh, anything related to defense in the U.S. that uh, hmm. Taiwan is more or less the same as China. So, yeah, right. we cannot uh, do anything there. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, uh, it for me, it's always been very much a safe haven, uh, hmm. but very close to uh, China and with uh, very close uh, language and cultural connections. So, um, I still think Taiwan is uh, is a good uh, unsinkable uh, mothership. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, we've been coordinating uh, manufacturing in China there for for oh, 15, 20 years. Yeah. And uh, um, at the moment, because. Um, for for many years, my friends were saying, "Well, why don't you come to China? Um, and and you should be here." And and yeah. it was true, but um, we did manage to find uh, a really good one in particular, a really good factory. It's not so easy to find a good factory, but mm. uh, once you do, and and really uh, stick with them and and mm. build them up, uh, then then it's really good. And um, so we, we we have developed that over the years. And but now, uh, just ten minutes ago, I was speaking with a friend of mine, a foreigner who has uh, been living in China for over twenty plus years, and he said everybody is leaving China, and and 
nobody yeah. in his right mind would, would start a new assembly factory yeah. here. It's, it's, it's curious. To, to be honest, are, are, are not good in China. It, um, um, one, one piece of news I just uh, heard is that um, um, the components that go into car manufacturing, they need all to be made in China uh, soon. Um, a Chinese also, car? Yeah, well, anything assembled in China, all the components need to be made in China. Okay. And um, uh, so the, the, it's 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 getting harder. Uh, yeah, it just feels less global, doesn't it? Less globalization, and there's, you know, there's definitely there's definitely a railing against that. And I, I also wonder if this old thinking of just chasing the lowest cost labor around the world has been replaced a little bit with a pragmatism about distributing manufacturing in different in different regions and perhaps thinking a little bit more about proximity to um proximity to the consumer as well as proximity to design one of the things that i think has been really interesting throughout this trend and we know that i don't know if it's maybe five or six of the top 10 ems company um, companies in the world are taiwanese companies it's interesting seeing where they're starting to invest and we're starting to see them invest in india but what i'm hearing a lot of is them building up um their manufacturing muscle and investing in mexico for the uh for the north american market is that something you hear a lot about on the ground there in in um, in taiwan yeah um yeah yeah they're, they're all looking abroad and vietnam is is the easiest and closest yeah. by I, I i do have to correct you that um china for the last 10 or even 15 years has not been about uh, the lowest labor cost no. anymore uh, it's it's really about uh the components the the the, the, yeah, the supply chain breadth and and depth of of their components mm. anything you can find there and 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 that is now one of the factors that 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 uh is, is starting to really affect people like I, I heard rumors that uh, Apple, they stopped factories in India because they couldn't mm. get the supply chain to work there. Yeah. And they're opening up in uh, China again. Yeah. And, yeah. and one of the big issues in, in, in manufacturing is that that there will always be problems. There, there, there will always yeah. be, be something not just quite right. And yeah. you can do really, really good uh, QC. But, but very often you're only going to find the problem when, when, when you assemble everything together. Yeah. And, yeah. and the big thing is in, in China, you send it back down the road and you have it back the next day completely yeah. made Correct. as you want. Yeah. If you send it to Mexico or to uh, Vietnam, it's, it's, it's not possible to come back into China because yeah. Uh, they're going to charge you thirty percent import, yeah, and and so that yeah. that that is a serious issue. Yeah, there so, are challenges there. There are challenges uh, there. What you what you say about supply chain is really interesting. I always use the analogy that China used low cost labor to kick the door open, 
uh, for for the global manufacturing, and it was supply chain and logistics that kept that door open. Um, and that's where they've grown in in their success, and they've become this um, this huge powerhouse. And I think that's really significant. And it's fascinating to see that. You know, whilst people think, yes, I can move manufacturing and I can even build a manufacturing campus that's got, you know, some supply chain support around it, actually shifting the whole supply supply chain globally is incredibly difficult. That's a complex super tanker of a vessel that takes a long turn, a long time to um, to turn around. And I think people are realizing that with the CHIPS Act, with the desire to have printed circuit boards, for example, manufactured in the Americas, all of those things are full of incentives and good ideas and and some very wise words, but it's going to take a very very long time for anything to anything to happen. It really is a very slow process. Yeah, yeah. and and like um, the friend I just spoke to, they they got together a group of uh, of factories and they opened their own little park in Vietnam mm-hmm. and. They find that yes, labor is cheaper in Vietnam, but everything else is a lot more expensive. And mm. so, um, the overall cost to to make something electronic in Vietnam is twenty five percent higher. Yeah, yeah, and labor so, cost is just such a small part of it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the more automation we see, and I believe we're going to see more automation to meet the challenges of skill shortages. So I think. Um, you know, I, I, it's a very it's a very complex story, and understanding the cost of ownership, the cost of risk, um, the approach to just in case. Cost of chaos. I heard time. recently. Cost of chaos. Ah, cost of chaos. How do you measure the cost of chaos? <laughs> chaos is expensive. I appreciate that, but how do you how do you actually measure that in dollars and cents? Is really challenging. What I what I also find fascinating case is you've always had a very global outlook as to where stuff could be where stuff can be manufactured and, and you're now dealing with a, a factory in Colombia, which I think is absolutely fascinating. I've been watching, I lived in Mexico for a while. I've been watching Zona's success in uh, in Costa Rica um and and kind of seeing what's going on there. I feel that South America has been that that bubble that has never kind of inflated to its potential. Um, so I'm curious what you're finding in Colombia and how you're how you're managing to um, potentially build up some manufacturing and design muscle there. Colombia is not um, the most obvious uh, name in electronics. <laughs> But um, our our CTO uh, happens uh, to be from Colombia, and um, his professors at, at let's say the, the MIT of Colombia they were really curious and and wow, somebody from our school, uh, um, international electronics uh, yeah. firm, and so we 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 started this this whole uh, traineeship program where every six months we would take uh, five trainees the top graduates and bring them to Taiwan for training and then bring them back to Colombia for uh, design and uh, coding of firmware. And that's been working out really well. And Mm -hmm. now we're going the next step this year to do final assembly there as well. And that's 
the, the assembly as well is, is going well. Uh, we were still needing to um, wiggle out a few. Yeah, it's taking a bit longer than uh, we would have liked to, to get things through customs and batteries yeah. and all that. Um, but uh, that's part of learning the ropes. But uh, yeah. we're, we're very happy with what we're seeing so far. That is your own manufacturing footprint there, or is that existing yeah, yeah, manufacturing yeah. footprint? But, but um, we're still uh, in its infancy. It's, it's like, yeah, small scale. Yeah. yeah. And is that is that largely for the U.S. market? And what's the trading relationship between um, Colombia and the USA like? They, they have their uh, bilateral trade agreements and anything that is assembled in Colombia is 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 free to enter the US uh, no import taxes oh. so um, I, I do have to say that that it's um, we we can do s and t there we, we do final assembly and a lot of testing there but it's it's really all still based on on, on China uh, components yeah and yeah. so the, the because like you said before the the, the, the China component infrastructure that's that's not going to be replaced in in, no. in five or even ten years. It's, no, it's a decade decades process, isn't it? It's a you know it's a very long one. But there seems to be, I don't know, there seems to be some momentum there. And I think I I recently wrote a piece about friend shoring, um, and it's kind of you know let's, it's kind of hard to figure out who your friends are sometimes. And when you think of friend shoring, what are you actually defining? Um, your friends as are they people with similar idea ideologies? Are they people that have got better trading agreements than other parties? Um, it seems to be a, a a convenient version of friendship that allows that allows people to select the geographies they manufacture in. But we're certainly in a stage where ideas of where stuff is manufactured are are being challenged, and I see that as a good thing. And I think if we can perhaps shorten supply chains and and perhaps get some environmental and sustainability um, benefits out of it at the same time, that would be attractive. But I absolutely agree that that, that ship of, um, of, of supply chain dominance is, is, is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Well, and I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's something democratic, like, like right after the world war, uh, two uh, mm. Japanese manufacturing was known for shitty plastic little toys, and, mm. and, and Japanese cars were laughed at for years. Yeah. But yeah. but they managed to go up to world class level, and and they 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 achieved world class, and then they plateaued, and yeah. then Korea and Taiwan and Singapore came up and yeah. started to lose a lot of their growth uh, oomph. Yeah. And I think you're now seeing the same with China, that, that once yeah. you have caught up with all the knowledge and all the yeah. quality and all the, the design that there is in the world, once you have reached that global level, then it's, it's, it's very hard to, to continue an amazing yeah. growth curve. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. it's, it's a democratic, yeah, democratic force that, that now yeah. other countries uh, can have yeah. their turn to, uh, to join the game, which, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very good. And I think what's interesting is to is to not only look at the attraction of places to manufacture in terms of the cost base and the supply chain and all of those kind of things, but also think about the consumer market that they're serving locally. So 
you know, the um, Southeast Asia, for example, has a huge population of some 800 million or so that are relatively young, relatively strong consumers. So they're interesting. China has a huge consumer market and a growing middle class. India has the potential to have the same. And, you know, maybe that'll be part of um, part of the future growth of that. It's um, it's it's fascinating to watch and interesting to to see how it develops. And it's important to have people like you advising customers and advising people that are bringing new products to market on on where they should be thinking about manufacturing to have that security. When a customer talks to you, particularly about a new product, but even an existing product, how high on their list of thoughts is that risk mitigation and that whole geopolitical discussion? Um, that, that that really varies widely uh, for customers. Some people, I, I don't care where it's made as long as it's good. It's this and, price. And it's, it's, good. Time yeah. it's got the right yeah. price. Um, whereas other people are, are very concerned and, and management absolutely wants us uh, out of there and um, uh, you have to find me some solution somewhere. And there is a lot of, of, of um, yeah, uh, uh, what if thinking. Like mm. uh, we, we have a big customer from India and India has also uh, had some strong movements about uh, importing this and that mm. from from china and what if we are next on the list so yeah. a lot of people they, they 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 want all sorts of quotations just to make sure that if something happens what are we going to do then yeah um yeah. so scenario planning comes in as well and that becomes important as well as risk mitigation it's fascinating stuff keep doing what you're doing case i think it's hugely valuable it's hugely valuable to be able to talk to you and find out what you're seeing in different parts of the world excited to speak to you in the future and hear about what's what's going on in colombia as well i think it's always fascinating to see these new pockets um pop up we've seen them from time to time in eastern europe um seeing them in south america is really interesting too thanks so much for your time and i look forward to talking again soon thank you great talking philip cheers